This is the Family Culture Project, Episode 51, Creating a Culture of Literacy in Your Home with guest Regina Henry. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. Literacy is the ability to read, write, speak, and listen. It creates a foundation that allows us to communicate well. While it involves these particular skills, literacy is so much more than this. It's about learning to use reading and writing in real and important ways. As parents, we can encourage our children's literacy and then keep it going by the simple everyday things we do in our home. So this week's episode is with a personal friend of mine. And what I love about her is that she is so passionate about learning that it is contagious. That when I spend time with her, inevitably we begin to talk about the things that her kids are learning, that she is learning, how she's growing, um, what they're doing as a family to facilitate um, education and growth. And I just love it because it inspires me to put in place things that will help my children do the same. Yeah, over the years, I think we've struggled with um, some of our kids are just related to getting them at what we wanted to do, I think, based on our own experiences as having our kids like reading early because we know how important it is. I know personally for myself, um, I I hated reading when I was a kid. Um, My dad would really be, um, he would only read the paper um, my mom did read some novels, but nothing of of the uh, more just entertainment-based no- novels, nothing of the learning variety. I don't want to say nothing, but mm-hmm. nothing that I can remember of, mm-hmm. of the learning variety in any kind of overly consistent way, although I'm sure there were some in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like we as a family have um, struggled with this over the times, but also have gotten it, gotten it well with our children and we gotten better as, as we moved along, just trying to build that passion of reading. One thing that we've also used is audiobooks, which has really helped because sometimes when they struggle just sitting down with the book, having the book and the audio at the same time has really helped accelerate their enjoyment of, of reading. Um, and so, so I love reading now. So as a kid, I hate, I hated it, but, but, but it's a regret for me because I, I, I love what I learn through reading now, whether it's history or some, or, you know, self-help, where it's more about culture, um, about business, etc. I love reading, um, and I don't really like reading the paper. I like reading mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned audiobooks. Um, I love audiobooks, and like part of me, to be honest, thinks that sometimes it's cheating. But it's really not cheating. Like all, all of our kids have experienced reading very differently. They're all at different levels of being passionate about it and enjoying it. And for our son, he really struggled with the actual ability to read when he was younger. And audiobooks was the game changer for him. When we paired audiobooks, like you said, with like the actual physical book, it, it brought to life storytelling for him and he became so engaged in it and the interesting thing about it is that uh, when I think of our two daughters versus our son our, our our daughters they they liked reading like it was just they did it and they enjoyed it and I kind of let it just go on autopilot and my son we really had to work at it we really had to make it a consistent part of his everyday so that he could overcome some of the learning issues he had with it and he's the one now that I would say is the forerunner when it comes to like having the desire to read. And we, we, we were working. He surpassed those girls without a doubt. And, and it's because 
we were consistent because we, we, we were emphasizing the importance of it with him. We were giving him opportunities. We were actively like taking him to the library, trying to get him interested in reading. And I think much like anything in culture, when you sort of let things go on autopilot, sometimes they get um, forgotten about or um, they lose, you know, as a team, you might lose momentum or enthusiasm. And so now we're circling back with the kids and we're like, okay, let's meet their individual needs by figuring out how we can inspire each of them in a unique way to get back on board and to love reading and see it as just the um, the door to possibility that it really is. Yeah, the, the audio, you mentioned how much of a game changer it has been, but a couple examples of where where that becomes um, really easy to understand is for anyone that has a commute to work, whether it be in your car or you're on a train, if you have a book, you can't read a book while you're driving a car. You Mm -hmm. can't really read a book if you're not sitting down on a train or a subway, et cetera, Mm -hmm. where with audio books, you you can actually read mm-hmm. um and and to you say it's cheating or you feel like it's cheating but you can you can get through through so much more material in the sense that it's not a race but mm-hmm. there's so much to read or want to read that it helps you actually achieve some of your reading goals yeah and then the other thing that i've been doing with our son is on when we go to soccer and it takes an hour to get there We've been doing audio books, so we will pick out a book together that we will read together in the car, mm-hmm. and we'll spend at least a half hour of that trip um, on the audio book, you know, to and fro, and then we talk about it as well, so it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if I think about the things that I wish I would do better, which I'm working on, is modeling it for my kids, meaning that my kids know that I read before I go to bed in the evenings, But I would like to start taking that reading time and bringing it downstairs so that they can actually see me maybe go into the living room and just sit and read with a cup of tea and and have it be a part of my day more, meaning that it's easy for my kids to forget that I read, but I want them to see me read. I want them to see me choose not to turn the television on and grab the book that I'm in the middle of that I can't wait to finish instead. Like I want to bring it into other areas of, a, of our life. I want to get back to, um, and I've already started to do this actually after my re- conversation with Regina is keep a book in my purse. Like, I mean, as a mom, there's the pickup line, there's the driving them to the, the you know, the lacrosse game where you have to be there a half an hour before the game starts. So in those pockets of times, is really an opportune time for me to read and getting back to sort of having a book always on hand and really, and it could be a magazine. I have some wonderful magazines that I love reading that really um, are a delight and just having that stuff on hand so that I can not grab the phone and start scrolling so that I, um, you know, can fill it with something that's really going to interest me, excite me and help me grow. Yeah. Technology is the challenge because it's the technology and the the different types of apps that, um, become addicting, especially to children as well, but to adults, to adults just as much Mm -hmm. that you're addicted to these alternative things, whether it be Instagram, um, for the kids, Snapchat and things of that nature, that it pulls you away from the time you allocate to reading that, the the audio part can can still be your phone, but it's it's you're actually listening to the audio through your phone, so it's an enabler for the audio mm-hmm. side of it. 
but it but it is a discipline and and I think modeling it to the kids is important Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things we talk about in this episode we talk about technology and the obstacles that it creates for us but we also talk about how we can overcome those obstacles and partner with technology Um, technology can be really useful and like the audiobook is a perfect example of how um phones and iPads have just made access to an audiobook much, much easier. You know, when I think of the things that we got right with our kids when it comes to reading is um, I've been reading with the kids and, and making them <laughs> making them read books with me that I feel that they would enjoy and, and what whose content I really want them to learn at this young age. Mm-hmm. And I, we mentioned this in another podcast. When I first started doing this with the kids, I got pushback. I got, oh, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do this? And I was tempted to give up because I'm like, oh, well, they're not really into this. And I, and I, I said, well, what if they just don't love to read? And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I know better. I know that reading is going to open opportunities for them. It's going to help them to grow. They say that leaders are readers. Like, whatever it is your family culture is, you're not going to, you can only benefit from cultivating literacy. And so I knew that it was important to me. And I, you know, despite my fear of wanting to please them, make them happy, not get, not have to deal with the drama that comes along with reading. I was like, no, we are going to read together. And it didn't take but a couple of weeks for them to kind of say, all right, all right, it's time to read. This is what we do. Like, let's hurry up, you know, and, and, and we do it now and it's expected and it's just what it's what we do and it's part of our culture and um, and, and the importance is sustaining it. You know, like it's the quick, deliberate process of figuring out what needs to be done and then doing it is what creates the best future results for your family. It's taking simple steps over time and envisioning what you want the end game to be and what's the results you want. And with me, it is the perpetual desire to learn and grow that I want to cultivate. And I think reading does that. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great topic for the podcast. And, and, um, you know, it, you know, reading to me that I learned as an adult is the game changer. And when we want our kids mm-hmm. to know it young. Mm-hmm. One more thing that I want to say about culture is that it takes time and energy to build your family's culture, but eventually your momentum will add more energy back into the pool than you took out of it. So you might as well bring attention and time to the things that matter to you. So just as we shared in our examples earlier with whether it's my son um, listening to audiobooks or whether it's me reading with my girls, the consistent effort has paid off by creating momentum, creating an expectation that this is just just what we do. So I want you guys to listen for the tips that Regina provides, but I also want you guys to remember that it is up to you to come up with a plan that is right for your family, and it's ultimately up to you and how you want to build your family's culture that will decide how you'll manage it. In an organization, regular team meetings are a given. They keep people informed, help them achieve goals, and ensure everyone is on the right track. Weekly family meetings do the same. Not only do they allow you to see if you're spending your time and your resources in a way that lines up with your family values, but it also helps you approach each week with purpose. To help you get started having weekly check-ins with the ones you love, we've created a free family meeting packet. It includes sample agendas and discussion topics. You can find the link to it in the show notes or go to the T-H-E familycultureproject.com to get your copy. Today, I'm talking with Regina Henry. Regina is the thought leader behind what she refers to as genius work. 
She is a multifaceted, multi-passionate vision strategist, instructor, speaker, trainer, and a leader with a commitment to inspiring and equipping every person she connects with to unearth their unique genius and to live it out in their workplaces, relationships, and daily lives. Well, welcome, Regina. I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast. I have the pleasure of knowing you in real life, and I know the things that you're passionate about, and I see the work that you're doing in your business and in your community, and I just love it. And I'm so excited to share that with our listeners today. And I am so excited to be here. I'm excited for all the things that you're doing. I've watched you over the years, um, really following your different passions, and it it's inspiring. So thank you. Thank you for even inviting me to be here. <laughs> so let's jump right in. And I want you to tell our listeners when you fell in love with literacy. Uh, I think for me, literacy has always been um, just a part of my life. It's almost as if I cannot remember a time when I didn't have a book in my hand. And you know, I was just always a curious child and my mother was a librarian. So we were at the library every weekend. It was sort of a requirement in my family. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I watched her, my father, I watched him reading the New York Times every day. And it just was part of my own upbringing. And so a way to sort of satiate my curiosity was with books. So mm-hmm. if I was interested in sign language, which I was as a child, my mother bought me books about Helen Keller and, and I was fascinated with her and I would follow her. I love to dance. I still love to dance. Mm-hmm. And so my mother bought me a lot of books about dancers, Shirley Temple and, and, and other dancers over the years, old and new. And so I think it, it's, it was always a go-to for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's, kind of what I've brought into my own practice and into my own family, you know, as a result of my upbringing. Another thing is I was raised with one television in my house. So, (laughs) and my mother always had this rule, no televisions in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so we never sort of, if you wanted to relax in your bedroom, it was, there were two things you can do, listen to music or read your books. Yeah. And so I think that also encouraged it. So. Oh, absolutely. I bet it did. So what are the obstacles that we face when it comes to the next generation and them having literacy strength and our, especially our children in our homes? Well, I mean, I think having been an educator for so long and watched just different trends Mm -hmm. around literacy, um, I think that the, the three biggest challenges we have are number one, and this will always be a challenge, I think more so for some than others is comparison. Mm. Mm. Um, if we're not comparing our children to other people's children, we're ca- comparing our children with each other. Mm. And it's so critical to know that um, literacy development as it's defined in the, in the world of education is it is reading, it is also writing, and it's speaking. Those three things together um, constitute literacy. And that happens over a, a span of time. It could be anywhere from age two, mm-hmm. a child can become, start becoming literate, to age eight, and equally as normal. And I think that if your child is not fluent by first or second grade, a lot of parents freak out. Yeah. And so they start comparing, oh, well, you know, my older child was able to do this 
at a much younger age. So that means this child has something wrong and it's not necessarily anything wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And so that comparison piece is important. The second thing is really, really understanding that literacy development process and knowing how to support it. And so I think as we, I've, at least I've noticed this in my 20 plus years of, of educating, I've noticed where we went from having no information as parents to having a lot of different information through parent magazines mm. and different books written for parents yeah. around literacy. And if you don't have a, um, a clear lens to look at some of the information that's out mm. there, you can get very overwhelmed and confused about yeah. the process and about what you should be doing. And of course, that anxiety gets translated in yeah. the way you uh, interact with your child. So, so those two things. But the last thing is also just our focus on technology. And I think that that's an ob obstacle that can be a challenge that can be managed. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, we need to be intentional and aware Mm -hmm. of the amount of time that our children are engaging with technology, not just computers, not just phones, but also the television, and, and just really making sure we monitor that and, and, and make decisions that are best for our children, mm -hmm. you know, in our family. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah. those are three. You know, when you were talking about comparison, I was thinking about, um, yeah, we want to, sometimes we compare our kids, but then we often too say, well, he's just not a reader or she's just, it's just not going to happen for them. And, and that can prevent us from taking the steps we need to go in the right direction, kind of Correct. giving up before we ever get started. Do you see that? You Absolutely. That Absolutely. I think that it's almost, um, could be a coping mechanism mm -hmm. for the parent, um, but it also actually limits the child because give you, mm -hmm of some ideas that they can use at home, but they should, first of all, do what they love. Mm -hmm. um, just because you read it in a magazine or you read in a, a list of tips on developing literacy in your child mm -hmm. does not mean you should do every single thing on the list. Pick the things that you love mm -hmm. because those are the things that you're most likely to be consistent in and yeah. you to be intentional in. I love to read to my children. I always have. I love to use voices and to be very animated. It's just part of my personality. So that had been something we consistently did in my household. So bedtimes was like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And I also took them to other story times at Barnes and Noble and the library and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So they were able to experience different people. Mm -hmm. um, but that is, a, that is also a tip. Make sure you read to your child yeah. uh, as well as have them read to you. I would also say... Um, make literacy a priority. Uh, make sure that there are books in every room possible in your house <laughs> and all kinds yeah, of- Yeah, make it easy. Yeah, make it easy. Um, all kinds of uh, books also, different genres, information books. I have one child that just loves biographies. And so we made sure to stock up on those. I have another child who is into everything science. And so we had a lot of different science books in our home. Um, give them examples of reading by letting them see you read like mm -hmm. okay you know what mommy needs 15 minutes daddy needs 15 minutes just to finish this chapter because yeah. you know I want to know what's going to happen yeah um one thing my mother did that was 
very engaging for me as a child is that she always told me about the book she was reading mm. because I was so curious and she would just tell me, oh, and then this happened. I'll let you know what happens in the next couple of chapters. And a few days later, she would tell me again. So talk to your children about books. Yeah. You know, what the, what's that character doing today? Um, I have a third grader right now and she is reading, oh, what is it called? The report card, uh-huh. that's what it's called. And I find that I, I had never read it. It's not an author that was popular when I was young. However, my older children had read it and now she's reading it to me. And I actually find that I want to know what's happening. So yeah. I asked her, did you get to read a chapter today? Because I really want to know mm, what happened next. That's good. And, and that helps to a couple of things. It helps her to speak about books, yeah. which helps to build another part of her literacy development. And it also, also helps with her comprehension Mm-hmm. And and for me to check her comprehension, is she really connecting the dots, dots of what's happening in the story and picking up on the nuances, Yeah, you know, inferences, which is a big skill and difficult skill yeah. to develop. Well, um, what I like, I like what you said about um, like telling the kids what you're reading, because honestly, my kids don't really ask me like how my day was or what I'm reading. But if I'm like cooking... I, and I say, oh my gosh, I'm reading this book. And I start to tell them about it and, and don't wait to be asked because it's They won't happen. ask. <laughs> Even my husband every once in a while, I think he asked me the question because I think at one point I was like, well, if you ask me every once in a while what I'm reading, then I can share it with you. But I just need to say, hey, this is what I'm reading. And, and yes. it's fascinating and it may not be up your alley, but I, it's so good. And um, I mean, just like we would share anything else that we are. That's enjoy. true. That's yeah. true. And I, I have teenagers as well. And Sometimes I get the blank stare and the nod, <laughs> <laughs> but I think they appreciate knowing a little p- piece of my life that's mm-hmm. apart from them. Yeah. And, you know, they start to share also in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I found that. So um, like another, that. another thing my mother still says to this day is, where's your book? As we're walking out of the door, because you're never fully dressed without a book. Yeah. And so she has, and she also compares what kind of handbags she'll purchase based upon whether or not it could fit her book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have, as a family, we have gotten in the habit of carrying a book wherever we go because mm-hmm. you don't know where you'll have 10 no. minutes or 10 minutes there. And mm-hmm. I think that's a great um, habit to sort of encourage in your own children. So mm-hmm. oh, that's fantastic. That's things. So you mentioned technology, and I know that the access to technology is such an obstacle. I see it in my home. So what do you have, um, you know, we don't have to reject it or avoid it completely. We don't have to kick it out of our homes. But no. So what can we do with partner to, with, to partner with technology to improve literacy? And how can we manage it in a way that's healthy and not just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater? Well, I think technology is great. Um, I actually was a computer science major when I first into college, mm-hmm. so I love it. My father was a, a programmer, and so I've been around it all my life. I think it's all about your intention as a parent. Um, mm-hmm. I think that as you set boundaries around what your family life is going to be like, part of that consideration is how technology is going to play a role. So. You know, if your children have telephones, you know, cell phones rather, then maybe the cell phones come out of the bedrooms at a certain time in the Mm -hmm. evening. They go on to the charger in a Mm -hmm. central place in the house. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's not just for your children. It's for everyone as well. Um, Maybe they don't 
watch television at certain times during the day or during the week. Um, there are ways to do that. You can also encourage the technology using the technology for learning. So I know when, at least my youngest, because these things were out when she was mm -hmm. younger, um, Osmo is a very popular tool that is a peripheral for iPads. Mm. And so there are, there are all types of different games that you can play on it. Everything from puzzles to uh, math and even literacy development items on there. The iPad has many, many learning apps that you can yeah. download and incorporate, for, especially for the early, early development years up to, I would say, second and third grade. But as they get older, there are things they can watch like Brain Pop and Extra Math. Those are all like mm -hmm. Type yeah. pathways with technology. But I think the biggest thing is really helping them to become aware mm -hmm. of how much they're on the technology. I know now on many of the phones, they give you a weekly report yeah. of how, how many hours you were on social media or how yeah. many hours you were on this for the week. And I think that helps with awareness, but even just saying, look, how long have you been on there? Do you even know how long you know, mm. my oldest loves um, he games on the weekend. He likes yeah. the game because we don't allow television or any of that during mm -hmm. the week. And so on the weekend, he, he has his time. And I say, well, how long have you been on there? And he's able, because we've done this over time, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I've been on here about 30 minutes and I only plan to be on here X amount of time. So yeah. it gets them into the, into the process of what it's like to set their own limits and mm -hmm and develop their own level of self-control because yeah. that's a lifelong journey. Yeah, you know? no, and you and, want to figure that out now before you're on your own and yes. not able to manage your time in college or, in, or after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times do we jump on online just to research something mm -hmm. and a notification pops up and then before you know it, you're in a rabbit hole. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really important to sort of help to develop that focus early Mm -hmm. and that awareness early. And I think you, you do that just by bringing it to their attention. Yeah. And it part of that whole family discussion. Yeah. So. I think that's a question I think we should start asking in our family meetings each week. We have a family <laughs> meeting. And so that would be great to be like, okay, everybody now take out your phones and go over to screen time. Tell yeah. us about how long yeah. you've been on there and then start to see. Um, yeah. Cause it is, it, it's, um, it's not easy. It's, it's deceptive. Yes. It's, it's very deceptive. on a certain amount of time when you're mm -hmm. really on way more than that. And um, yeah, I think that would be a good thing. That would be a good discussion to have on a yes. regular basis for a on little a while until, yes. until they start seeing like a pattern until they start seeing, you know, wow. Yeah. We all have blind spots, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. it's, it's important to help um, our children, especially while they're young and they're kind of listening to us <laughs> <laughs> yes um to, to sort of get them in the habit of asking those questions and and teaching them what reflection looks like mm -hmm. um in in every area of their lives yeah so. all right so we're going to wrap up but as we do share with us what you are doing in your business now well i'm super excited about some of the pivots that i've made in my business because um, I found that I, my love for children and families and working with them has really brought me to a place where my focus has become more on women, um, specifically mothers, and how 
we, we get locked sometimes into a pattern of checking these boxes, making these, these constant everlasting lists mm -hmm. and uh, really getting locked into this should uh, mentality. Oh, I should be at the school or I should be the class parent or I should make sure that I make it to every um, recital and concert and soccer game and lacrosse game. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, you know, like my 17 year old's like, mom, I really don't want you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really don't need you there. Don't worry about it. Um, and sometimes, yeah. you know, it's beyond the point of the need for the our families that we serve, but also it actually takes something away from us. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize that, that that rhythm starts to take over and become a habit. And we no longer are making the choice, but we're actually falling into a pattern of doing what we think is expected of us. Mm -hmm. And um, but what I, the work I've been doing is, is, is really in helping to coach and equip women in getting free from that. Mm -hmm. Get free from those those deceptions mm -hmm. that keep us in the place that this is what a mother should look like, or this is mm -hmm. what a professional woman should look like, or what, whatever position they're in, that there is this external standard mm -hmm. that we must live up to. And really it's, it's our own personal choice that sets the standard. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, um, it's a big concept to, yeah. um, to shift thinking mm -hmm. on it, to, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's where I'm finding much fulfillment and seeing people really get free mm -hmm. from um, those, those boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think there's a definite need for that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate all the tips that you gave us and I can't wait to start using them myself. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You can find Regina at reginahenry.com and on Instagram as rlhenryglobal. We'll put links to all of this in the show notes. If you would like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find us over on Instagram. It's our favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. Plus, we share the family hacks that have helped us build culture along the way. You can find me at Carl Amici. And you can find me at Kimberly Amici. Don't let the pretty pictures fool you. Our family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.